Blog Talk Radio. The Net Live brought to you by the Spire Institute. Spireinstitute.org. Sign up today. Now, on with the show. It's that time. We have the people. This is Eric from Moana. This is Priscilla Lima. This is Tim Jensen with Pepperdine Volleyball. The story in real time. I can't argue that we're the best team in the world. I'm not retiring, people. You're listening to The Net Live with Barney. I dominated. Peter. We're into that because we're horny for volleyball. Reed. Got a toothbrush? We're going to London. Do you hear that, Doug? I'm coming to London. And DJ Ruscha. I have great thighs. It's The Net Live right now. Ah, yes. Crowd exploding. We are horny for volleyball, horny for the Olympics. You actually have wonderful thighs. Thank you. Uh, your lovely girlfriend, Sugar Ray, just came in here and confirmed your thighs. Sweet. There is no Kevin Barnett. He is actually with Paul Sunderland right now, side by side, doing the Brazil-USA game. We have it on our computer here. What's the score there, Jay Roche? Um, spoiler alert, so if you don't want to hear this. Yeah, if you don't want to hear it, just mute us, guy. But we are 15-7 in game number two. Game number two, USA up 1-0. Yes. The voice you're hearing right there is our in-house DJ, DJ Jeremy Ruscha. Uh He's Man Vala Entertainment, uh, my partner in crime for, I believe, nine years now. Nine. Nine, count them. Uh, I'm Peter, and we're happy to be here. Reed not here as well. I think he's playing in some sort of volleyball tournament uh, over at London, and he actually started yesterday, Jay Rocher. We're going to get to that in a moment. And joining us, he's going to guest host today via the phone uh, out of Penn State, ladies and gentlemen, men's assistant coach over there, Jay Hosick. Jay. Gentlemen, how are we doing today? How you doing, buddy? Uh, where are you right now? Uh, I am sitting in my newly remodeled kitchen uh, on my beautiful new granite countertops, uh, watching the iPad for the match, talking to you guys on my desktop, and uh, yeah, doing some work at the same time. So I'm here. I love that you are just printing money and you're able to have all those renovations at your crib, my friend. I tell you what, have you seen the pictures? I have, and... uh... You need to go into business for yourself doing that, apparently. <laughs> well, I tell you what, uh, years ago when I was in college, uh, when I first graduated, obviously not knowing what I wanted to do, I started a contracting business with a fraternity brother of mine, and so I learned how to do things on the fly, and we saved uh, an unbelievable amount of money uh, renovating this whole place. So although it would be nice if we could print money, I definitely was not printing any. I, I did it on, a, on the cheap, so to speak. Very nice. Four minutes into the show, where do we go from here? You can follow us on Facebook, backslash The Net Live, on Twitter, at The Net Live. Our email account is thenetlive at gmail.com. You can call the show today. There's no Barney. Uh, Barney, for some reason, doesn't take many calls. 347-677-1525, 347-677-1525. If you're listening live to us, uh, we appreciate you doing that. So, all right, the Olympics are underway. Why don't we start with the opening ceremony before we get to volleyball? 
Jay Roche, did you watch the entire thing with your lady came up the couch? I was actually in Colorado. Yeah, so I was not snuggling with the lady on the couch. Um but I did watch every single match. Watched the uh, men's indoor, women's indoor and all the beach matches. Now my wife has been taping everything. I did work with the Angels this week. Uh, that is why I was unable to go over to London. I am very sad now when I watch beach volleyball and I realize that I am not there. Uh, I do not know if I made the right decision, but there wasn't much I could do. My hands were tied. That being said, I watched part of the opening ceremonies. Uh, love the Paul McCartney part. Um, watched the U.S. athletes come in. Love how Rosie and Gibbs saddled themselves right behind Kobe. So smart. Back in the day, Ken Steffes, Whitmore, Scott Parch, you know, that was because beach volleyball athletes are smart. Go hang by the NBA guys. Bob Samuelson used to do it. That's how you get on TV. Very nice job. It looked like a racing party, and it looked like a lot of fun. And what moment that would be, about 90% of those athletes that are there and aren't going to win a medal. How fun that must be for Jay. I... Uh got the opportunity, the awesome opportunity to walk in the Pan Am Games opening ceremony last year. And although a smaller scale to some degree, it was still pretty large. It's one of the neatest things uh, to be able to do um, is to walk in and see that show happening. Um, you're right. 90% of those people are not going to medal, but the absolute amazing uh, feeling and the energy you get as you walk in the stadium is is unbelievable. So um, I'm getting a message here. Mute the show on my computer. Uh, I feel like I'm hearing us. Uh, are you guys getting echo from me? Yeah, when we're talking, I feel like I'm hearing us in the background. Are you? Is no, it... there's nothing. I'm not playing you guys at all. So okay. well, we'll see what happens. Jerusha, get us oh. right there. Score in the women's USA-Brazil match, game number two, 18-10 USA. USA completely rolling and dominating. Where are you watching this, Jay Wachet, so people can get their iPads out and stuff like that? And watch I'm uh, NBCOlympics.com. If you just log in with your internet or cable provider, you can stream all of the matches live. There, I know they'll be showing this on TV later today, so those of you who will be watching this later and you don't want to hear us talk about it, then you... The good news there are a lot of echoes, so we're hopefully going to lose all of our listeners, so the show's going to end quickly. Uh, I believe Eric Fanoi Moana, gold medals in 2000 at the Sydney, Sydney Olympic Games, is going to join us at 11. Uh, Matt Romanowski, uh, your partner now in the Jose Cuervo Beach Volleyball Series, uh, has been announced at 11.30. He has a tournament coming on that he's going to be talking about. Uh, and let's break it down. Let's, let's get right into the Olympic Games. We mentioned beach. We mentioned indoor. Let's start with indoor, that men's game yesterday in honor of Reed Pretty. Reed Pretty did get the start. Were you surprised by that, Jay? No. Um, Reed Pretty is still uh, one of the top two outsides on the team. Matt Anderson obviously is leading the charge right now. Uh, Reed Pretty, though, uh, is a spark plug for that team. He's one of the best servers in the world. Uh, definitely one of the smartest uh, players uh, that knows the game inside and out. And he knows a lot of the opponents that they're facing with, with, with some background information and experience. So I do not, I'm not surprised that he is starting and uh, did a nice job yesterday. You know, my take is that if, if they're going to play like that and handle the ball like that, Reed's going to pass the ball well. You know, he's the captain. He needs to be out on the floor. When they get into trouble, uh, not passing the volleyball well, getting out of system, not getting the points they need on the outside, then that's when I think Rooney is going to play in this tournament. And Rooney will make a difference in this tournament, and they're going to need him at some point. But I was happy that it started off like that. 
and Reed playing all three sets and USA dominating. I thought that was a great performance by them. Uh, I thought David Lee did a phenomenal job in the middle. Clay Stanley did his thing. Sujo did a nice job locating. I was very happy with the way the men's team played that match. I agree. Uh, and if Matt Anderson can serve the way he did in the North Sacred Championship, uh, we're going to be uh, in the hunt, and I'm going to like our chances a lot. So that's uh, that's going to be key. Him and his and his service team. Matt Anderson's got a gigantic bullseye. I mean, I've heard it said a number of times, and it's obviously true. He's still got some years to go in the game to get used to it. But um, if he can pass well, uh, at least at least you know a two six two seven on a four zero scale, we're going to be okay. And uh, I know I know uh, Lamborn can cover him up a little bit, and Reed can do his job. I think we'll be all right. You know, Matt Anderson has been a topic on this show. I mean, Jay Roche, you can remember back to when you first started. I mean, Kevin Barnett has uh, asked of him a lot more and, and has been hard on him when he's needed to be hard on him, and he's pumped him up when he's needed to pump him up. I was impressed with the way Matt came out, uh, played that first Olympic match, because you know those nerves must have been sky high. I thought Alan afterwards in his interview uh, with Michelle Tafoya said, He's been playing. He played like he has been playing these last couple of months, and I, and I think that's key. And maybe these guys getting this pair to qualify late, maybe that puts them in playoff mode. Maybe that I like the way the men's team came out. There's no question about it, Jay. Uh, I had to mute Jay for a second because I was getting some audio feedback to gotcha. fix that. Um, I thought the blocking was the difference in that match. No question. I mean, they roofed balls at the pin. Anderson, David Lee, Holmes, they were they were far and away the better blocking team out there. And and what people tend to forget, Jay Roche, a lot of times is, and, and, and I'm talking at the lower levels, obviously, um, you know, that club levels, you talk to kids all the time, you talk to coaches, you know, blocking and defense – go hand-in-hand. Hand. They're the same thing. You saw the digs that the USA were getting. You saw Reed in a great spot at middle back getting those balls. That's that's block funneling them. They were getting a lot of controlled touches. Yeah. It's not just about the stuff blocks. It's about the USA team being so dialed in. Uh, great scouting report. Great Reed system. They knew exactly where to go, and, and, and it was impressive. I unmuted him. Can you, hear? Can you oh, guys hear me? Yeah. Uh, perfect. That's much better. Sorry about that, guys. What about the women's team, Jay? Uh, being pushed a little bit, having to win in four uh, during that first match, but I think we saw some good things from them. I mean, a lot of pressure on them coming in. Uh, you know, sometimes that 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 first match is it, it, it's always going to be a little bit shaky. Uh, you know, I think I think you being a club coach and anybody who's been out there in a, in a big time tournament or match. You know that the first one's going to be a little bit of a struggle. Your, your, your nerves are up there. Uh, you know you're playing in front of a, lot, a large crowd. Some of those girls have not been in the setting that big, uh, so I, I think it's understandable to have some you know have some kind of uh, jitters, so to speak. I guess is the best way to put it. But they're playing really well now. Uh, Destiny's doing a real nice job on the right side, and uh, and Lindsay, uh, what can you say about that girl? What can you not say about her? And Courtney Thompson um, coming in. Uh, you know, in the back row and, and, and running the offense in the biggest tournament of the, of the world, and she is just fearless. That girl is the heart and soul of that team. I'm going to tell you something. When she made the roster, and Lindsey Burke talked about it on the show, how happy everyone was for her, what she's had to endure, what she's had to overcome. People always talked about her size. They thought she was done. 
She's playing that Lindsay Berg role from 08, and I don't think there was a better choice for it. You have to be thinking about the Olympics, the tournament, in those two weeks. You can't think about long-term. You can't think about anything else. What do you need for that tournament only? What's the best fit? What piece of the puzzle do we need? And Courtney Thompson is the perfect backup setter for this women's Olympic team. She's respected by her teammates. She runs a good offense, can play D. She's a spark off the bench. If she doesn't sniff, she's on the bench cheering for her teammates. She's got a good vibe. She cares about chemistry. Courtney Thompson in 2005, when the University of Washington won that national championship for Jimmy Mack, they had Tomasevich on the right. They had Crystal on the left. That team was absolutely loaded. They rolled through three straight the entire the entire NCAA run and absolutely smashed Nebraska. The key to that was Courtney Thompson. She was such a great leader. I did a lot of their matches that year uh, for the Pac-10 on Fox. She was, without a doubt, the player that you walked away going, man, she just puts the ball on the money and she knows how to make everyone happy, Jay. I looked at stats after those Washington matches, and I used to freak out because I forget the middles' names right now off the top of my head, Deasing or somebody, but they were they, the middles would have 11 kills, 9 kills. Tomasevich would have 19. Crystal would have 17. I was just amazed at how she was able to divvy it up and make everyone yeah. happy. And, and that's hard as a setter. I mean, I was a setter. You, you know the position. I mean, it's tough to, to make everyone yeah. happy. You're, you know, you're trained so much to go, man, let's feed the beast, feed the beast, feed who's hot, feed who's hot. And you're supposed to, but when things are going well and you're in system, you divvy it up. You set people up, and, and, and everyone was happy on that team, and Courtney Thompson was the difference. So her coming in and doing what she did in that match, I, I, I loved it. I do think, guys, the X factor is going to be Nicole Davis. I've noticed since she was a kid. I followed her career at SC when I was doing their games. I love her. She's going to be the one that people are going to pick on. She ha- she's the X factor on that squad. Well, I tell you, let me, before I get to Nicole, let me give you a little background story of Courtney. So I'm at the Pan Am Games last year, and it's, it's me and Mike Hebert and Andy Benikowski. The, you know, I had to carry those two coaches, too. Let me, let me not, uh, let's, let's not forget how much those guys really don't know the game. But uh, we're in a match, and uh, Carly Lloyd was our backup setter for that team, and Courtney was the starter coming in. And unfortunately, Courtney was, uh, you know, we, we, we took the hype factor into consideration and gave Carly the chance to start the tournament off. Carly came out with a, with a vengeance and was blocking people left and right. She had a real nice release, and she was, just, she was just running a nice offense. But as the matches wore on and the experience level started to show a little bit, she was starting to wear out a little bit faster. And Courtney would come in and would be this little spark plug. Well, here's the neat part of the story. So Carly was getting to, was getting to start in the uh, in the semifinal match and uh, we're going up against uh, I, I don't remember who it was at the time and uh, Courtney looks at us from the end of the bench she goes put me in coach I'm going to win this match for us we're going to play for a medal and we kind of looked at each other and went okay let's give her a shot well sure enough she ends up winning it we go to the uh, the bronze medal match against Dominican Republic and for those of you that know the history and the background between the two countries there's no love loss between Dominican and us and Start, we start Carly, and as we're looking at Carly, we're looking at Courtney down the bench, and she's looking at us. She goes, put me in – and I don't mean to, to – I'm not going to speak trucker, but you can insert words where you yeah. want. She looks at the coaching staff, and she says, you better put me in, you mother effers, because I'm going to win this match uh, for us. God, do I love and I And I'm not kidding you. Hebert and Banikowski and I looked at each other, and we go, well, you know what? We're going to give it to her. She went out and single-handedly – 
won that match for us. She was, they were trying to go over her all day long, and all she did was just put hands in front of their face. She'd slow balls down. She'd hustle for balls. Win, lose, or draw on every point, she was the most fired-up kid on that court, and our team rallied around her. And at the end of the match, Mike Hebert looks at her in the locker room and says, you know what, kid, you earned not only a lot of respect from the rest of the world, but you earned the rest of respect from all of us and the staff because we didn't understand what everybody else told us when we were looking at kids to put on this team. Yeah. And now we know exactly what you mean. Winner, so man. She is awesome. Yeah. Yeah, you can talk to Jimmy Mack about it all day. I mean, she is an absolute winner, no doubt about it. You know, I think we said this a couple of weeks ago before Barney went to London. I just feel like this team has a lot of parallels to the men's team in 08. They just seem to have a real good mix of veterans that have been there before, that have been to a couple of quads, been to a few Olympics. They got the coaching staff. They got the mojo, and they got some youth. And, man, do they have athleticism. We just saw Destiny Hooker absolutely Yahtzee a ball down the line as the U.S. goes up 2-0. Uh, you know, I got friends texting me from around the country, like, who is who's Hooker number one? And that's the greatest name. I've it's ever the greatest heard. name. And I ever. say, yeah, the name is fantastic. <laughs> um, but yeah, she is. She's phenomenal, man, and she's gotten better every single year. And of course, you know, we all followed her career at Texas, and uh, she just adds dimension to this team. And then you have Faluka in the middle. Uh, Larson is just money. She's kind of like a Reed Pretty. I mean, I, I, I hate to always compare to the guys, but you know, she's the Reed of that team, man. She's steady. She bombs the serve. You know, she can hit a bick if she need her to. She can dig balls. She blocks well, puts away the high ball. It, it, she just is really the key to this team as well. Yeah, I, I would agree. What I noticed from the first match is, I don't remember, I have it written down, but I don't remember what set it was. Um, I felt like the setting was a little off, and they put in the second setter, and they kind of got back in rhythm, and they put in the girl's name, who I can't remember who's 6-7. Um, Scott? Tayeva Hanif. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's it. She came in the game and kind of changed things around, and I was surprised they kept setting to her side where she was blocking because she was touching everything. Yeah, and that kind of you know stabilized the team, and you know they took over. But I felt like all of the U.S. teams were a little inconsistent in their first matches, indoor and on the beach. I mean, it's the Olympics; they were probably all a little bit nervous. Yeah, no question, and and there's no doubt there's a lot of pressure and. No matter how many Olympics you're in, you can always get a little nervy when you go into that first match. Uh, I know you wanted to touch on, on, on Nicole, Jay, after I said she was kind of the X factor, I think, for this team. Uh, what are your thoughts? Well, I'll tell you what. Nicole has been, uh, I don't want to say second fiddle because that makes it sound like she's not you know, worthy of the starting position, but to Stacy Sykota for so long. And Stacy. Uh, you know, when the accident happened, Nicole got thrust into that position, and she appreciates the challenge. I, I don't think she's shying away from it. I don't think she's, um, you know, I don't think she's looking at it as, you know, geez, I hope I don't screw up. She's looking at it like, I'm going to show the rest of the world why I should be here. Yeah, and you know, over, David, know how tough she is, Jay. She's a tough kid. She's an absolutely tough kid. You can run her through a brick wall, and she'll come back on the other side panting. So uh, I think she's going to revel in this opportunity, this challenge. Um, I think... I think she can be a little bit tough on herself. She's very much a perfectionist. And, you know, you and I would put up a set and go, man, that's a pretty nice ball. She's going to put up a set, and if it's maybe six inches to the right or left, she's going to go, ah, it wasn't perfect. And that's going to be the true test, I think, for her is can she get out of her own, you know, negativity and, and, and kind of say, hey, I'm, I'm doing the best I can, and, and, and my haters are going to do the best they can with the ball I give them if I have to, or I'm going to make the best pass that I can, and the setter's going to work with what I give them instead of, I need to be so perfect and then and then beat herself up mentally because he's not. I think that's going to be the challenge. You know, I got a I got a question here on the chat board about Logan Tom 
will she ever play beach? You know, she had 16 top 10 finishes in those events. She, she played with Holly for a little bit and some other people. Logan Tom is one of the best volleyball players in the world. So her transferring over the beach never surprised me. I knew she'd be great. She's a great volleyball player. Yeah. Um, the problem is now, guys, I, the money, and we talk about this all the time. I mean, what is there going to be for them to, you know, Reed flirted with it for a little while. For them to commit full-time to the beach, their indoor careers have to be completely over. The money that they make overseas, it's just too much to pass up. I, I believe they want to play beach. It's a great lifestyle. It's a great sport. I believe they'll come over if there's something domestically for them to play for. I think them grinding and going internationally, I don't think that's for a lot of these indoor gals who haven't been doing it. It's hard to just come over and start training to go FIVB. So I think if there's something uh, domestically that is, is attractive, then I don't think it's going to be a problem. I, I, I think we, you can get those kind of players. And that's the same thing on the men's side. But, you know, right now, Logan Tom, I, you know, she's one of the best players in the world, and she makes a lot of money overseas, I'm sure, Jay. So, I, I, you know, the, the question well, here's about, a question. Yeah. Here's, here's, sorry to interrupt, but here's a question. Do, are there any USA beach teams currently living in Europe or somewhere else overseas and, and just saying, you know what, I'm over in the United States uh, and I'm going to live here because it's easier on my travel schedule and uh, it's cheaper and, you know, whatever the draws are? Is, there, is no. there anybody currently doing that? No. There's been talk of that before. Carrie Casey with the kids last year, I know they were going to spend some time. I think people have spent six weeks over there before in most of the summer but never had the thought of actually – moving over there and staying for a few months at a time. It's just the training here is too good. Uh, the weather, um, home is home. Being with sure. family, I just think all that stuff weighs in way too much. And, and at the end of the day, training here in the States, I, I just, you know, it's like Brazil with Brazilians going back to Brazil. I, I just, for them, there's no better place. And it's the same thing uh, with the Americans. Well, it's also you're not getting paid to live overseas. Like if you're playing like Reed, Russia's paying him to be over there. Yeah, that's true. You know, if you're living, if you have a home here, but you want to go live in Europe for six months, that's on your dime. Nobody else is paying for that. Yeah, there's no question about it. Uh, what about, uh, this is this is digressing, but we, I, I saw this note that we had written down. And, and I want to, before we go on, yes. I'm not going to go to my note first. I'm going to go to the hats and the oh, outfit that please. they continue to put our athletes in I don't for the opening ceremony. I don't understand. I mean... It's money, guys. You know that as well. As Come anything. on. Ralph Lawrence spends I mean, a what, lot of money to be wearing, there. though. What, know, what does that look? Are we selling those hats? Like, who's buying those hats? I don't know. <laughs> you know, I, I will say this. There were a couple people that had, like, Jen and April pulled the hats off. Yeah. For sure. But that's not, like, it's not, was, their, not their normal style. You know who always looks the goofiest in these outfits? <laughs> the NBA guys. Because they're just so, that's, they would never wear that in a million years. Well, they look like little Catholic schoolgirls and little private schoolgirls in some yeah, of those say, outfits. Yeah. With and stars. I know that that got some of you guys going. I know how some of you guys are out there, especially the guys that watch it. So, by the way, you just look like he's ready to light the gals up a, uh, a little bit at that time out. What score do we have there? Uh, uh, they're up, what, 6-2, six, six, uh, I think? Gotcha. Gotcha. But yeah, they're up two, two sets, sorry, two sets to zero. Yeah, I think Jay had posted something on uh, – Facebook over the weekend, like, oh, the opening. You said something about the opening ceremonies, and my comment was like, yeah, that's great, but why are they wearing those stupid hats? <laughs> I, you know what? You mentioned the opening ceremonies earlier. I like that. I watched them from the beginning to end. I – oh, yeah. No, I, I enjoyed them too. 
so did my little daughter. I mean, we, you know, everyone's whole family's watching it. Uh, well, they actually watched it without me. I got home and watched it with my wife second time. But yeah, I mean, it was it's cool. I like the musical yeah, yeah. when they went from the seventies to today's. But yeah. some of the other stuff, I wasn't that excited about. Listen, how long is it? Four hours? Five hours? I mean, it's yeah, it's, yeah. It's long. So you know, then the whole thing's not gonna. Oh, of course not. You know. Well, they well, look at the guy who directed the guy who did Train Spotting for Christmas. I mean, it's going to have some stars. Oh, yeah. for sure. Tell me about the queen jumping out of the plane. <laughs> Someone tell me that part. Go ahead, Jay. <laughs> uh, first, first, to Mac, to Mac, those are my side. Oh, you can't hear us anymore? No, I'm no, hearing I'm, you. I just can't. No, no. It's still it's on mine. But anyway, no, no. What were you saying when you said, well, seven, seven, uh, up, up. And they went and they or the or the and then jump jump parachute. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty cool. Uh, James Bond showed up, yeah. got her from the palace, and she skydived in the stadium. How about how about David Beckham just suiting up and just cruising uh, in the speedboat with the torch? Do you feel bad? Do you feel bad for him because he uh, they did so much publicity about him, and then he didn't make the Olympic team. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. <laughs> I don't feel bad for him. I I think the coach that made the decision is pretty stupid. I mean, David Beckham. I don't know if you can feel bad for him. You know what? That's true. In terms of his bank account and uh, his looks and his life and his wife and his kids, I think he's doing just fine. Did you say his looks? <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's a good-looking kid. I would tell you the story. Uh, sideline reporting at the Laker game. No, this is unbelievable. Uh, I, I mean. It's just really funny because, you know, if you ever see someone, you know, sometimes you'll be walking and someone will give you a look. You know, think beach volleyball, Jeremy. You're walking around the tournament. You know, someone recognizes you. You're like, do I know him? And you kind of give them, hey, what's up? Well, I'm kind of standing under the basket area, and Beckham's there. He goes to tons of Laker games. And he's with a a buddy. He wasn't with his kids. A lot of times he comes with his kids. He's with a buddy. And... Kobe kind of comes over, and they shake hands, they talk for a minute, whatever. And I'm just kind of standing there waiting to, to, to do my thing, uh, which is at about, you know, 15 minutes from that time. And I'm just kind of casually looking over at him, you know, and, like, we kind of just lock eyes for a moment. And <laughs> you, had a, you had a moment? <laughs> we have a moment, and, in like, I just naturally I gave him, like, a, hey, what's up? Like, I know him. Yeah, of course. And he gives the same thing to me and, like, puts out the hand. So I, like, go and give him, like, a little... Almost, it wasn't awkward. It was just like, shit. like, like we totally know each other. Yeah, you guys are BFFs. And, and I'm like, hey, what's up? Kind of, kind of, you know, shot the crap for a second there, uh, you know, but it, literally like 30 seconds. And I'm like, I just laughed. I came home that night, and Jess and Dad, I, I go, you're not gonna believe this, but like, I, I kind of leagued it with Beckham. So I, like, I, I, we, I don't know. Does he know? I don't know if he thought. Do I know this guy? But it was funny. how we just locked it. Like, hey, what's up? So fast forward like another two weeks. I see him at the games with kids, and this time I act like we are actually friends. So I'm like, hey, what's up? You got the kids? Yeah, hey, what's up? You almost gave like a half hug. That was the last time I saw him because I got moved over to Clippers. But I felt, I'm like, dude, I think, I think Beckham and I are friends. You guys are. Yeah. Yep, totally. And then I talk to <laughs> watches every game. Who knows what maybe recognize whatever it is. It was really funny, and I know you know what I'm talking about. Oh, for sure. When you just like – you're just like, dude, do I know that guy? I think in his mind he's going, do I know that guy? I mean, he's looking at me. Did, and I just, did, you, did, you, did you give him the bro handshake or did you give yeah, him the business handshake? Yeah, totally. It was, almost like a, it was almost like a what's up bro handshake. There's a lot of handshakes. <laughs> you know, the, I think if you give him the straight up handshake, it's like you're meeting for the first time. If you give him 
uh, a little more of the bro handshake. And this goes for anybody in, in any walk of life. It's more like, hey, man, what's up? We we, we kind of know each yeah. other. You yeah. Know. I mean, it happens all the time. Hey, what's up, man? Yeah, Walking you're that kind of guy. Yeah, so pretty good. Good stuff. All right, let's move on. Uh, we're time for a break, and then we'll move on. We can on. go to break. Let's go to break. We'll come yeah. back. We're getting to the beach. I think we've talked men's, women's, indoor as a women's team uh, in the third set right now. My phone's ringing, so you guys are out. All right, everybody. We'll be right back. You don't have to find the best college coaches. They find you at Spire Institute. Spire's postgraduate volleyball academy wants athletes. Spire delivers customized volleyball training and competition led by head coach John Hawks, athletic development with Michael Johnson performance, and educational options all in Olympic-grade facilities. There is no better way to impress college coaches and increase scholarship opportunities. Spire Institute, postgraduate men's and women's programs in multiple sports. It's not taking a year off. It's adding a year to your future. Sign up today at spireinstitute.org. Waking up to ash and dust I wipe my brow and I sweat my rust I'm breathing in the chemicals How'd you like that song, Chris? I like everything you do. Are we live? Yes, we are. Welcome back okay. to the next 
Jay. Jeremy has a question for you. Jeremy, over the weekend, uh, over the weekend, is it the weekend? What day is it now? Yeah, it's Monday. Over the weekend, watching the indoor uh, matches with some family, dialed into the indoor game. Uh, none of them have ever played the indoor game, so a question about rotations. Yeah, I was with some family, uh, and I don't know enough about indoor to explain to them how the rotation works, and I believe the libero can stay in. So maybe we have some listeners that feel the same way. So, Jay, if you can explain some of the rotation in indoor, that would be awesome. Yeah, absolutely, I will. Can you guys hear me okay? Yes, sir. Yep. Okay. Uh, first of all, before I explain the rotation, I, I, I need to clarify something. A, a buddy of mine just texted me and says, hey, uh, ease up on, this, on the, uh, the negative comments about the other coaches, and I, I believe he's talking about Banikowski and Hebert. Uh, apparently, he does not know what sarcasm is. If anybody out there thinks that I'm being serious when I say I had to carry those two, uh, <laughs> you, you obviously don't know me very well. <laughs> I don't know if I texted you, but just tell him, come on, guy. Yeah, I didn't even I mean, know. Come on, guy. Yeah, I did. I wrote back, dude, apparently you don't know what sarcasm is. So, uh, yeah, that's my clarification. Get over it, George. You know what I'm talking about. All right, apparent the rotations. Uh, if you look at a starting lineup, and let's look at it over the top of the court. So you're looking down, straight down on the rotations. The way that the court is set up, if you were to go counterclockwise from the right back position, meaning the server's area, you're going to have a setter, which will start in what we call the one spot. Uh, in the two spot, which is in front of him at the net, uh, that would usually be an outside hitter. There are some coaches that will flip-flop around, and we'll talk about that in a second. But in that spot is usually your, your outside hitter. In the middle spot in the front row would be a middle blocker. In the left front spot, uh, which is known as the four, uh, would be the opposite uh, the right side hitter. Uh, behind him directly would be the other outside hitter. And then in the middle in the back would be the libero slash other middle blocker. Uh, when you rotate around, you rotate clockwise. So the setter would start out in the right back position, rotate once to the middle back, rotate again to the left back, and then the next rotation would come to the front row and go all the way around. The way the rotations work is that uh, when you line up in serve-receive, uh, you are not allowed to be uh, on the other side uh, of the person that is next to you either direction. So, for example, if you're in the middle of the court, the person in the right back position must be on your right side and the person in the left back position must be on your left side and then the person in front of you must be in front of you. So that's why there's some configurations that might seem confusing to, some, to the average person watching the indoor game. When you rotate around, usually everybody serves with the exception in the women's game of maybe one player where the women's libero can actually serve for them. Uh, and so that's the, that's the way that it works. In the men's game, everybody serves, but then the libero will come in the back row and play for the middle blocker that plays in the back row because usually their ball control uh, is not nearly as good as some of the others. So uh, it's a way to expand the game when the, when the bro is brought about, a um, way to, to get it up to seven people. There's now the exception they have two liberos at the collegiate level, uh, and I'm not sure uh, if they're going to allow the men's libero to serve in the coming years, but I know there's talk about it. So uh, did I do a good job? Did I explain it correctly? That's actually the best explanation I've ever heard. I really appreciate that. Okay. All right. Moving on, I, I have to get this out before <laughs> but, but just before we even start talking about beach volleyball. This frustrates you, doesn't it? You know, it, it really does, and I'm going to be honest with you. It's it's frustrated me for years. Um, I 
I really have a, a problem with. I'm sorry, I'm trying to send a tweet right now. <laughs> Can you send a tweet about the net live and send it with a little link and then I'll retweet it? Can we do that? Yes. You don't have time. No, I do. Okay. I just love that you can't do two things at once. I, you, you know that. I got heckled about that today. Yeah. Here's what bothers me about the sport of beach volleyball in the Olympic Games. And I know there's not many people on our chat room right now, but I'd like you to weigh in. It drives me insane that every newspaper article, every magazine article, everything on the dot-coms, whether it's ESPN.com. I mean, I looked the other day before the game started, ESPN.com's front page for beach volleyball, the stories about what they're wearing. Yep. I read an article in the LA Times after the Australia-USA women's match. It was unbelievable. Carrie Misty. It's about the game starting late and NBC wanting there to be eye candy, but the girls wearing the long sleeve stuff that must have been hard on the viewers and blah, 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 and about what they're wearing. Guys, guys, it's played out. It's tired. It's the fifth Olympics. No more talking about what they're wearing. They're wearing bikinis. They're wearing board shorts. Get over it. Losers. Do your job. And if you don't know the sport, learn it. And give me some dialogue about the sport. Guy wrote in the LA Times yesterday, about nine paragraphs in, he mentioned the scores. Carrie yeah. Finally mentioned yeah. they didn't mention that they'd won 30 straight games. Or for you people there that love the sets. 30 straight sets. In the Olympics, they're 15-0, and 0, although Marlo said they're 15-0. and 0, They've won 29 straight sets. I don't know how that's possible. He, I think he meant 30. <laughs> 30 straight. And that's not mentioned, but what they're wearing is, I get it if it's done in a little bit of a joke once in a while. You know, uh, you know Dan Patrick, as they're saying right now, you know, throws it in. But, man, every article on the front page of, of ESPN.com, yeah. that's what it's about. I remember – after they won in Athens, and they went on Jay Leno's show, and I've hated Jay Leno ever since. I, I, Jay Leno just rolls the balls out. There's no question about it. I mean, he can be funny, blah, blah, blah. He doesn't do any research, and the girls told me this. They were so frustrated by that interview. He didn't know anything about them. No. They captured Golden Athens. They're the sweethearts of the Olympics. He had three questions for them. They were all about what they were wearing in, 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 in the bikinis. Everywhere they go, that's the focus, not the athleticism, not the game. Not the, the, the qualification that goes into it. Not the, the rivalry with Brazil. Not how China's rising. Not how they're playing Australia, who was a crazy first-round draw. Yeah. It's about what they're wearing. And, and i got to tell you, Jay, it, it's frustrating. Uh, and, and to me, it's just tired. It, and it's, it's guys and women not doing any research, not doing their job, just doing a layup. I mean, we've been talking about it since '96. Yeah, I, I gotta agree with you. First of all, Jay Leno's a douche. Nobody listens to that guy, anyways. Uh, the, the the reality is this: uh, when you don't do your homework and, and all you have to talk about is what they're wearing, that means that uh, you're you're not doing your job, and you're at you nailed it right on the head. Jay Leno can care less about it. We 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 are such a niche sport still. And you look at the last Olympics, and if you include the Paralympics, we won five of six gold medals and a yeah. silver in the last one. How do you as a country, and better yet, as a media outlet, a media source, not do your due diligence and the athletes' due diligence to talk about what they did to prepare for those games, to talk about the moments that they were you know, in the heat of the battle? Why on God's green earth do we have to discuss about the damn bikinis? You know, yeah, it, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's ridiculous. It's, it's ridiculous. Midnight. It, 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 it does a sport a disservice. 
it's midnight and it's 52 degrees. Yeah. They're wearing long sleeves. You're lucky they would care. Yeah. They're not wearing pants. Australia was wearing pants. But I mean, who yeah. cares? I mean, it's like wearing, no sweat, you know, I mean, and when they wear bikinis, they wear bikinis. Look. It's comfortable. What about the swim team? You know, Can we you talk know, about the swim team the same way? You know why Missy and Carrie are probably wearing the bikinis and the long sleeves? Because they're used to wearing that. So they're comfortable. Maybe Australia, the, the pants were comfortable for yeah. them. It's whatever your comfort level is. And when it's hot outside, you feel very good diving in that bikini that you're wearing. Because that's what you've been raised on. That's what you play the sport on. Does it look yeah. sexy? Yes. That's a great thing. But who cares? And let me what explain. About, what, Do you want them to wear buns, dude, like they yeah. did in the early 90s? How about okay, let's wear some buns out there? Wear some one pieces? Yeah. I mean, it's just yeah, it's awful. What, if, what about the divers and what about the swimmers? I mean, nobody's talking about those outfits. Those that was way uh, smaller. Dude, Roger, Todd Rogers had an unbelievable quote in that article. He, they go, yeah, w- w- what about guys wearing Speedos? And, and Roger goes, yeah, I guess you could. I mean, we see guys in Brazil doing it, but who wants to see the guy's package? And they quoted him. I mean, That's it was awesome. an amazing quote. <laughs> Let the guys wear boardies. Misty said the same thing. Like, why are you guys not talking about all the gymnasts and their leotards or no. the swimmers and their Speedos? I mean, some of them are – the Speedos are covering less than any of the bikinis we see out there. You know, if you want to feel like a dirty old guy – sorry about that. If you want to feel like a dirty old guy – Watch gymnastics, and there's, you know, 15-year-old girls doing the splits, and you're sitting there watching the full package going, and you're going, what is going on here? Yeah. How can anybody complain about the women's bikinis in beach volleyball when you just you look at all these other sports, and it's not, it's not any different. It's ridiculous. USA up 19-18 here in Game 3, an unbelievable match. Sorry, Set 3 for you people out there that, that, that love the set call. Cam. Um, listen. Uh, I'm going to end at this. Jay, you make a great point. Uh, do what I'm going to do for the first time ever, and that's when you see one of these articles, just just, just write the guy back. Write the guy back. Yeah, that's go, a great dude, point. You're, you're, tired. you're tired. You don't know the sport. Go do some research or go on to another sport. Stop. It's been done, dude. 96, 2000, 2004, 2008. No need to do it in 2012. I have one thing I, to say. Sorry, Jay. Go ahead. No, no, no. Please go ahead, Jeremy. I'll arrest you. That they, uh, I think it was Nicole Brand I heard say this one time to a reporter. The less material, maybe it was John Cassidy, the less material they have on, the less area there is for sand to get into. Yeah. So for those of you who have never played on the beach, go out there with your jeans on and your long sleeve yeah. hoodie and dive around and feel how comfortable feel you feel. are with yeah. sand all over the place. Wear, wear regular shorts. Yes. See how that goes. Exactly. See how that goes. I, when you I, I, I absolutely agree. And, and, and let's talk about the other flip side of reporters, about Bob Costas and two of the best one-liners I think I've ever heard out of the guy's mouth. Uh, the one is, uh, and, and this guy, for those of you that don't know Bob Costas, which if you don't, you're living under a rock, but he does his homework. He understands yeah, what each sport sure. goes in. And he had two one-liners. One is, uh, as as the parade of, of nations is going around, he says, uh, boy, this is one of the fastest parade of nations I've ever seen. And speaking of fastest, there's the Norwegian uh, speed skating here on uh, and now I blew the line. Uh, <laughs> but anyways, it goes into the Norwegian team. And then he says, um, and for those of you looking for hot badminton action, and let's face it, who isn't? Honestly, and we're going to get to beach in a moment. The broadcasters, like when you get like Matt Lauer, Bob Costas, I mean, I love Dan Patrick personally. Uh, Barnett's so happy fa- uh, putting the picture on Facebook. Uh, he got interviewed by Dan Patrick. Those guys are, are another level, man. They're so good. Yeah. Bob Costas is so smart. He could be put in any situation. He's versatile. He does his homework. That's the key. 
And, and that's what's so Im- Im- impressive to me. I remember going on the Today Show in 2008 to, to introduce the guys and the, and, the, and the gals, and it was a great moment. But I always got frustrated, and I loved everyone over there. But I got frustrated with every show that they all went on when the question was asked, when can we see – like, you know, no one ever asked, where, where are you guys going to be next? Like, yeah. we were playing in Cincinnati on NBC, on your network, the, the following weekend. weekend. Yeah. How did we not know there was a domestic tour? It doesn't take much homework. Isn't there people to do that research? So that's always frustrated me um, about the sport. Moving on to beach volleyball. Carrie and Misty will start there against Australia. Natalie Cook playing in her fifth Olympics, a former gold medalist. Uh, and, and the big girl, Tams, Tam, Tamsin, I believe. I forget. Six four, right? Yeah, she's the tallest girl in the uh, Olympics. You know, they played in 2008. They made a nice little run. That is a tough draw, Jay. That's a team that's not afraid. That's a team that's been to the Olympics before. That's a team with a big blocker. It's a team with Natalie Cook who knows how to play in these situations. You could not have drawn a better opponent for your first match to get the cobwebs out and to have to battle. I think that was awesome for Terry Misty. <laughs> you want to talk about coming out of the gates hot. That, you're absolutely right. That's a, that's a tough team. But uh, you know what? If you lose it, uh, you get a chance to work on some things and watch some video and say, hey, here's where we can make some improvements. If you win it, talk about carrying some momentum. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's quite a draw, that's for sure. What I noticed from that match, um, Misty didn't look as crisp. No. Um, and now, this is my first time really seeing them. Yeah. Um, I felt like a lot of times when she swung at the ball, she taped no most question. of the time. Dropped her arm a little bit. Yep. Um, I thought, I think you hit on the head, didn't pass the ball and serve receive as well as she usually does. Correct. Uh, ball was getting outside her body a little bit. I thought Carrie set the ball well when the pass was. Was, was was on the money, um, set it a little bit off, and that's where the, the, the block of a 6-4 gal yeah. can affect you and the defense of Natalie Cook. But they serve tougher than they have in the past. They're doing yep. that new standing jump float that Jay Gibb and Rosie have been so effective with. Casey's kind of brought that over to Carrie and Misty. You saw Carrie, uh, that ball moving a lot more. Um, I, I was happy with them, and I think people have to remember this. A buddy texted me. He was like, man, it's going to be real tough for them to win the gold. Absolutely, it's going to be tough to <laughs> Obviously. win the gold. But it's a two-week tournament, and you're not winning the gold on day number one. You're just not. In any tournament I've ever been in where I've had a team be successful, we're usually not that great out of the gate, and you build up with each day. Each match becomes a little more focused, um, and you're playing a tough opponent. So I think Kerry and Misty were absolutely fine in that match. Yes, they weren't as clean as they'd like to be, but they got the win. And they're back, and they're in Olympic mode, and they're carrying Missy. Jen and April, they needed to come out and hammer someone. For sure. And they did that. Their first Olympic experience. And you know what? They're a fun team to watch. And if they can get in on a nice run, America's going to fall in love with them. Great energy. They served lights out. And what a great matchup for them. It's like playing the Lindquist sisters. A team that's not going to block, you're going to (laughs) lose to Jen and April. So, J. Rusty, you go. That was a great match for them. I love that – I was curious to how Jen and April were going to come out. Obviously, it's their first Olympics, but they had to wait a full day and see other American beach teams play before they got to go on the beach and play. It's tough. Jake, Jake and Rosie were like that in Beijing. They yep. were the last match of the second day yeah. at midnight. So the fact that they came out and absolutely crushed them in game one, and that felt they let off the pedal a little bit in game two. Like They're like, okay, we're good. We got the jitters out. But they, they handled business. I wasn't I wasn't concerned. Um, I wasn't oh, Sorry about the delay. Uh Set number three, Brazil up 24-22. You know, yeah, yeah. I, I liked seeing was Jen and April 
and how they were enjoying the moment, yep. didn't look scared of the moment, uh, showing their great personalities. In the interview with Heather Cox, I thought Heather Cox did a great job, by yep. the way. I think Heather's been phenomenal for these past two days. Um, and we'll talk about broadcasters in a moment. Um, I, I just I think that that was the perfect match for Jen and April, and I feel like it was a perfect match for Kerry and Misty. Kerry and Misty don't need to come in and play an awful team and win 21-7 or 21-5 like Brazil did. They need to come in and battle and get ready and get it going and get in that mode that makes them the best in the world. Look at China, by the way. China won, who's the two seed, lost their first match in three, won their second match in three today. So that's a team that's struggling, you know, and that's a team that has experience. So you just never know what you're going to get. Like I said, it's a two-week tournament. Uh, As we go to the men, I thought Jake and Rosie looked just like they did. uh, Well, Jay, we'll go to you first. They looked just like they did in Beijing. They looked smooth. Uh, You saw why they're so fun to watch. Jake Gibb uh, continues to impress and remind you that he is one of the best players in the world, even though he's an undersized blocker nowadays. And Rosie looked mature. I think them getting back with Mike Dodd, um, and I've said this before on the show, I just think it was a matter of that team coming together, putting the trust back in each other. Um, Jake and Rosie had a tough run. Uh, the last couple of years, it has nothing to do with who's coaching them or what, but just, you know, they hit, they, they got stagnant. They got stale. They tried to change some things. Jake tried to lose all this weight and become lean. It didn't work out for him. Um, he battled some personal health issues that Heather talked about. So a lot has gone on, and they've caught stride at the right time. And, man, when you watch them play, Jay, you think to yourself, those guys are winning a medal. I mean, I know it's a long way to go, but they're winning a medal. I, you, I sincerely hope so. And how sad of a statement is it that Jake Gibbs considered one of the smaller blockers when he's a six seven? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's that's really a sad statement right there. I remember when when I played in college, I was one of the taller guys on my team, and I'm only six one, so it shows you where, where the thing is going. Um, on a side note, you mentioned about some of Jake's uh, personal uh, dealings that he dealt with the past couple of years. First of all, this guy is living. Uh, a life now where I think his appreciation of the little things and his appreciation of, of those loved ones around him and the opportunities he's going to be afforded. If you have not seen the Jake Gibb video, um, it's about maybe five or six minutes long where it's, it's kind of him uh, talking about, you know, the struggles that he went through and what was going on. It is heart moving uh, to, to absolutely see him go through that process and, and come out on the other side and, and be this new, uh, this new person. It's, it's really exciting to see it. And, and I don't know Jake personally, I know you do either, and, and Jeremy, you probably know him as well. Yeah. But he is a neat guy, and you know, for, we that's a team that didn't play any organized indoor volleyball ever, uh, and that's you know, for for guys that are in the college team, that they're looking at these two guys, and, and yeah, they're good players, but you know, there's no foundation, so they literally learned by just playing beach. And those two guys, you're right, they've been through this before, and Jake is living uh, a life uh, that is you know, much more rewarding and probably fulfilling than a lot of other people because he's not taking anything for granted. And, and Rosie, I mean, Rosie came from, from, from you know, the South Bay and, and never really had aspirations of doing anything spectacular other than, you know, playing a little beach volleyball on the weekends and probably working a dead-end job at, at, you know, some store or something. So for him, this is a dream come true as well. And, and this, is, this is a team that if you can't be fired up about two people that, uh, are really doing it for the love of the game and what they love doing and the people around them, then you can't get fired up about anything. That is a fun team to watch. Rosie, still the high flyer he always was, and now he's smarter. 
Uh, he's going up. He's not even necessarily banging ball straight down. He's shotting the ball a lot more, and he's, he's using the block a lot more. And that's you know that's just coming with age and maturity and experience. So they're a fun team. I I, I agree with you, Dieter. I don't know what the color of the medal is going to be, but I sure as heck hope it's going to be something uh, because I, I'd like to see them be successful. Well, I'd heard rumors about Jake battling some issues, and that video you talked about, Jay, is actually up on the Net Lives Facebook page. Just scroll down a little bit, you'll see it. Um, done by Josh Glazebrook, which is amazing. What I liked yep. in uh, what I liked watching in that match, and I've seen some highlights of Jake over the last couple of years. Like for those of you who know Jake, when he's fired up and doing his thing, he has that walk where he gets that little head nod. He looks at the crowd and yep. kind of nods to yep. him, like, "Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm really good." He, he has that back. Even the nastiness when, in him. Oh, it's so great. And even like on plays where maybe Rosie hit it in the net or Jake hit it out or whatever, he still had that body language like, no, no, we're fine. It's That's one mistake. I'm not worried about it. I like, love watching them play. And, you know, if you're not rooting for them or cheering for them, I, I would be surprised. You know, Phil and Todd will keep this short. I, you know, they mentioned Phil's uh, – uh, Chris Marlowe talked about it on the show the other day. Heather talked about it during the match. Uh, it, it's a pretty gnarly story to me. I had no idea. Yeah, I, to me it looked a lot like uh, the match they needed as well. You know, smooth. Phil got his stuff. They got going in set two. Um, from that point on, I, you know, those guys aren't going to be the team that you're going to fall in love with and go, oh, my God, they're so fun to watch. You just have to appreciate how good they are, the rallies that they had because Todd's defense and Phil's ability to do things that no one else in this world can do. Appreciate them. They're going to get it going. There's no question in my mind. Jay, do you think uh, Phil was a little surprised that they went after him to start oh, the Oh, my match? God, the little jump float he's had a chance. <laughs> I tell you what, I, I, uh, the jump float again, uh, rearing its ugly head is the new serve to, to try to tackle. So, uh, I, yeah, I think Phil should be surprised. Um, and I think the rest of the world is saying, well, if we're going to beat them, Todd's going to shot us all day long. Todd's not necessarily hitting balls straight down. He's just so smart he's going to shoot around you all day. So, um, yeah, I, I think the rest of the world is saying, well, look, if we're going to beat them, let's beat them this way. Uh, it's a new tactic. Uh, and. You know, uh, let's see how Phil holds up. I, I know he doesn't get a ton of serves, so we'll see. When they talked about the blood clot in his arm, I hadn't heard about that. And the fact that it was – Todd, I think, said it looked like Hulk Hogan's arm. Is what you Marlo. weren't here that day when Marlo came on, weren't no, you? No, I was, but I don't remember. Yeah, it, I, maybe it, maybe well, I blocked that there out. was a lot of rumors going around, and Phil told, called Marlo to tell him the story. Oh, wow. So we can get the truth out there. And so what is it? What happened? He went to the doctor with his, his girlfriend uh, – his wife. I'm sorry, his wife. Uh, and, and for an appointment for her, and, and, and she wanted, he woke up the next morning. Yeah, and his arm was really like, swollen from like his arm down to his yeah. hip or whatever. And and, and uh, she said, "You got to take a look at this." And and the doctor knew exactly at that point what it could be, and uh, you know went in for the X-rays, the MRI, and and they saw the clot, and they had to they had to, they had to get it, and uh, they still got to do some more work after. But uh, it's going to be about wow. a two month recovery after the Olympics. They said he has to have surgery to have part of his rib, rib removed. removed now, which is wow. crazy. Yeah. So uh, they said he's taking medication that can control it, so he's fine. They'll keep an eye on it. But uh, that was a pretty gnarly story, and that's another thing that bums yeah. me out that I don't get to see these guys during yeah, the summer. Yeah, I know it's it's tough, you know. But you just think that once they get going in that mode too, and believe me, I mean next week is everything, guys. These guys are all going to get through pool play, all of four course. teams, and it's what you draw, yeah. how you play when it comes down to it. I mean that's what's going to matter. That's when we're going to know next week. Uh, who's got a shot to medal? Who are Jen and April sponsors? Uh, four point. I'm not sure on that one, um, but uh, someone just asked it on the chat. Oakley Cover Girl. I know Oakley and Cover Oakley, Girl. Oakley Cover Girl. Um, How do you think the broadcast Wilson. team's doing? You know, I like. I think Kevin's doing a great job. Say it again. 
Go ahead. Nope. Go ahead, Jeremy. Talk, talk. We're gonna go beach first. Go, go ahead, uh, Jeremy. Yeah, you know, you know, this is Kevin's. Man, this is a it's a big stage, and he hasn't had much experience. For sure. Uh, you know, he's probably feeling his way, and 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 Marlo with the chemistry and everything. I I think they'll do. I think they're going to do better. Now, I'm not saying they're doing a bad job. I no. just think they're finding each other out. You, you can tell they're they're finding the way with each other. It's not like Karch and Marlo had done a million things Correct. together. Um, you know, Kevin's I'm sure trying to find out when I can jump in, how to show some personality. Uh, I think Heather Cox uh, is one of the best in the business, hands down. For sure. Um, you know, I, I think Barnett's doing a really, really good job. Yep. Uh, the, the matches that I've seen, um, I think Kevin just, you know, you put him in that situation when when he's doing the national team, especially the men. He just knows that system and that team so well, uh, and he's able to tell the truth. Uh, he's able to point out the differences. He's able to point out what they need. And I'm really proud of the job he's doing. I think he's honestly, I think he's doing a great job. A smooth, clean, throwing some personality in there. Um, Sunday, you know, Sunday's a pro. Marlo's a pro. Of course, for me, I'm always uh, I'm always going to be jealous and want to know when they're going to leave so I can try to get in there. But they're they're the originals and they're the best and, and they're there for a reason. And they got a lot of Olympics under the belt, so I, I'm proud of uh, of the broadcast teams. Yeah, I I think I'd agree with that. I I'm not uh, I I've been watching and listening too much to the announcers on the beach, so I won't comment on that. But uh, I think Barney. Here, here's my take on it. You're right. Sunday and, and Marlo are both experts and have been doing it for years. And and I don't think there's anybody better. I, I, listening to Marlo talk about the beach game is, is one of my all-time favorite things to do. Uh, I, I'm not uh, – I, I don't think Sunderland's a bad announcer at all. I'm just not a fan. I think it's a little bit boring and bland to hear him speak sometimes, only because – only because I, I, I think the game has evolved so much. Yeah, and I agree. he seems to be stuck a little bit in when he was playing and talking about the things that they do. And, and Kevin – does a real nice job of kind of updating him on what you know what's going on in the world today and and how things are done. So uh, I don't want Sunderland. I don't want Sunderland to leave. I just I, I think Kevin is, is carrying it in, the, in, the, yeah. in my opinion. You know, there's no question. I think that was kind of the knock when Sunday and Marlo tried to kind of come back to the beach a few years ago. The end of that AVP run. You know, I think some of the players were like, man, they never really talked to us, and they're just kind of getting in there and doing the broadcast. You know. I have two thoughts on that. One, they've earned the right yep. because doing it for so long. But two, yeah, you're out of touch with what's going on. You better figure it out because you're you're, you're going to piss some players off and the fans are going to are, are going to catch you. But when it comes to the Olympics, Marlo, I know, is doing his homework for sure. Uh, you yeah. know, they're, they're very dialed in. Um, Look, it's a tough no doubt in my mind. That, no doubt in my mind that Marlo is doing a good job. Yeah, I mean, I just. You know, I, I read this on the uh, the chat room, and I see it on Volley Talk all the time. And man, I completely agree. It, it, it's tough, and I'm going to give it to all you guys straight. It's very, very tough listening if you know volleyball and you watch a lot of it to hear the freaking rules every single time because yeah. we never have to uh. hear on football and baseball and everything else. But that's NBC. Yeah, that's ESPN. That's who's ever covering volleyball. They want you to nonstop do that because they think it's drawing in more listeners. I've fought, guys. I'm promising you that's probably why I don't get as many gigs anymore indoor <laughs> as I used to. I fight tooth and nail, and I just don't do it. Is, I'll, 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 I'll talk about the libero once in a while, yeah. but, man, it just drives me insane that we got to talk about every little thing, and that's not the broadcaster's fault. And if I ever do get to do the Olympics, 
Just know, guys, I don't want to do that, but I will. <laughs> is, it because, is it because the producers behind the scene don't know the sport, so that's why they have they Absolutely. tell you to explain it? One hundred percent. Because they went for meetings. themselves. Oh no, but they're and they're going to tell you that there are millions and millions of people watching that have no clue, uh, and they are right. Yeah. But I don't care about those people. You'll figure it out. The people that well, love or don't want to hear it all the time. So it's definitely two sides to the coin. Yeah, I watched. I watched. I watched cycling. I had no idea why there's a hundred people in a pack behind it and four in the front, but I don't need an explanation. They're racing. <laughs> well, it, it, here's here's my two cents, and I and I have something else to bring up. But first of all, the, the producers in the truck uh, that are telling the announcers, "Hey, talk about this." You know darn well that they're sitting at home with their families, and they've got a grandparent or two, or some aunts and uncles that have no idea about the game. And all they do is they say, hey, what's the other person in the other colored jersey doing? And so they go, well, if my aunt and uncle don't understand what's going on, then surely the rest of the world doesn't understand. So that's probably who's pushing this whole thing, let's be honest. But, but here's, my, here's my beef, and, and I still to this day do not understand why it is still happening. Why can we not watch the game from behind the end line? It irks me to no end. To watch from the 50-yard line, I cannot see the lanes that the hitters are running. I cannot see the sets that are being made, the defensive blocks that are being made, the moves. When you see the replays, I want to just stay there. I want to stay the whole time behind. Because when you go to a match, we talked about it time and time again on the show, the real players and the coaches all sit behind the end line. And I'm telling you, somebody somewhere has got to write a letter and say, look, on the serve-receive side, set the cameras up. On both ends, yeah. whichever team is receiving serve, let that be the game angle for that point. And if yeah, the other you know, team wins, in, in the indoor game, other- in the indoor game, they never want to send that many jib cameras out there. That's why they don't do it. Uh, Jay, I know because I've asked, but I know there's a, a producer, Jared Stacy, and a guy named Jerry Weinstein who directs and produces, and they do the men's national championship and the women's sometimes. They're the guys that kind of get it the most, and they've done a pretty good job at showing. Uh, that angle as much as possible. I agree with you. There's no better. Uh, there's no better angle for sure uh, than the one from behind. It would change the way people would watch the game, and I think we get yeah. a little bit more uh, involvement and excitement about watching the game if people would watch it the right way. You don't watch a tennis match in the 50-yard line seat uh, on TV. You just don't. So why are we doing volleyball the same way? I agree. Uh, we're going to go to break. When we come back, 2,000 gold medalist Eric Fanoi Moana will join us. You're listening to The Net Live. Volleyball Mag, the industry's number one volleyball magazine. Volleyball Magazine has been serving the volleyball community for over 20 years with the latest in volleyball news and information, product reviews, athlete profiles, fitness, health, and travel-related features. It's published nine times a year. Volleyball Magazine brings you the inside to the access to the sport's biggest stars. Whether you're interested in junior, collegiate, or professional level, sand or indoor, Volleyball Magazine has you covered both on and off the court. Visit us now. Do it. www.volleyballmag.com and subscribe for one year for only $19.99. Do that now and receive a new water bottle, a $49 value, free compliments of our friends at Naturally Energized Water Bottle Company. Volleyball Mag, the industry's number one volleyball mag. Welcome back to the Net Live. I am going to mention on the chat room right now, uh, quote of the year from Geeter, there is no better angle than the one from behind. I knew the second that that went out of my mouth that Jay Roche was probably going to clip it, use it in a later show, and uh, I'm glad that it, it came out uh, on the chat room so we could at least address it. 
um, and just uh, note that I did know that that would, would, would throw some people for a loop. Um, and Jay's back. I accidentally cut him off, but he's back. Yeah, Jay's back. <laughs> we do Sorry, have uh, our first guest, uh, and we're lucky to have him, especially during this time. A uh, good friend of, of, of ours. Uh, he's been good to the show whenever we've needed him. He's come on. He's truly uh, one of the best beach volleyball players to ever play the game. He's a Hall of Famer. He's a Manhattan Beach Open winner. He's won all the majors, King of the Beats, Hermosa, Chicago, uh, and, and, and the big one, and that's the gold medal in 2000. He did that with Dane Blanton. Uh, it was a tremendous run and a tremendous story. They did that in Sydney, Australia. Uh, truly one of the great professionals and ambassadors ever for beach volleyball uh, and a guy who's just such a great man in the community, uh, especially here in the South Bay. We're talking about Eric Fanoi Moana. E. Fanoi, how are you, bud? Uh, good, thanks. Eric, what is it like for you around this time, every four years, Summer Olympic Games? Do you, do you get that feeling? Uh, what, what kind of memories does it bring out for you? Well, I'll take a step back real quick. Uh, the Fromby can from behind is probably um, just, it is the best angle. To watch uh, the game, and it's exactly where I would sit as well. Um, just to sit there and sit there and watch your team uh, that you're trying to dissect. Um, I think that's you know a way to learn the game, especially for young kids. You know, uh, and not only are you on the money with that, but you're also funny. I mean, that's that is one of the best answers we've ever had here on the Net Live. Well, you don't have me on enough then. <laughs> All right, so now to my first question. The memories are just what does it evoke in you, the emotions, or do you get excited every four years at this time? Well, it, it actually starts, you know, a little bit before and who's going to represent the United States. And, you know, to have Kim and Rosie come um, to, you know, at the very last to win the tournament and have that momentum, uh, I just recall, you know, Dana and I having that same momentum. So I look forward to them actually producing in these Olympics. So I hope they get off to a better start than they did the first match, though. Um, I think they handled um, South Africa pretty handily, but again, uh, I thought they weren't very sharp, but they could be playing down to their opponents. The real test is this, coming after. Let me ask you this. Yeah. How important is it to be sharp from the get-go? Were you in Dane, or did you guys work your way up uh, with each match? I think we kind of were building we were building on, you know, the momentum and playing against teams that had better records against us. Those were just, you know, confidence builders. So uh, you try to be as sharp as possible. Uh, this this kind of tournament and pool play allows you to have, you know, in a sense, a little letdown. Uh, the main thing is when you get out of these pool play uh, and you go for, you know, elimination rounds, that you build momentum there and you build your strategy and your uh, your game plan and make sure you execute it. Eric, were you into watching the race uh, to get that second qualification spot? Were you kind of dialed in and checking uh, the weekly updates on the FIVB website? I was, and I was just saying it was neck and neck. I know Furby and Daniel were close. Um, and I just, you know, a team that, you know, Gibb and Rosie, they kind of seized the moment and took that opportunity to, uh, you know, as their as their birth to the Olympics and being a hot team and then continue on with that streak uh, is great, great for them, and hopefully they can, you know, ride it all the way through. I still, I would still put Phil and Todd ahead of them, but not by much. I think they're still 
that confidence that you bring to the Olympic Games, if you can continue that in such a big uh, arena and that stress level that you uh, kind of got there in the first place, and you're in, you're in better shape than Phil and Ty, at least for Rosie and Gibb. Eric, I want to ask you this question because you've been an Olympic gold medalist and, and, and you've been an Olympian and, and you've been a beach volleyball player forever. I think it frustrates some of us that when you look at Furby and Nick and the other Brazilian team, you know, they're top eight in the world and they don't get into the Olympics and there's guys you've never heard of. I realize it's the world stage and you need to include those other countries. Is there a way uh, to get a top ten team into the Olympics or should they be? In my opinion, that they should. I just don't know how... Uh, uh, to make that work. Yeah, I, I think I agree with you. I think they should be in there, and I do understand now you want to open the doors for other countries to be involved, uh, but you are taking away from the best competition there is. I mean, that's what the, the world stage, so the best players should be playing against each other. You know, we really are qualifying on the world FIVB tour, so it could be just an extension of that, but uh, to for the growth of beach volleyball, I think you have to do what they're doing. But yeah. um, are we seeing the best players? No, we're not. Uh, and, you know, anything at that point, especially on the world tour happens, you're like, holy smoke, you know, these guys are good and they win. Why wouldn't you not be able to play in the Olympics? But it is what it is. You know, Eric, I, I said this about Jen and April, and I want to get your take. They came about as close as you can in 2008 to qualifying, Elaine Young's and Nicole Branna edged them out. Their ability, and I know they were young, uh, especially at that time, you know, younger, you know, April and uh, and, and Jen, that, that, that they stayed together and retooled and got back out there and and had a goal to get to London, and, and now they're there, and I was impressed at the way they came out. Not sure if you saw their match, but just get your take on how they've, they've had some adversity and persevered. Yeah, you know, they're... They're playing well right now. I think they have a lot of confidence, but it may be a blessing in disguise. I always think that some things happen for a reason, good or bad. Uh, They're hungry. There's nothing wrong with being hungry, and and, uh, they're a little bit more mature now. They have more games under their belt. They know what they're doing. They have a game plan. Uh, It seems like they were pretty focused last night. Um, So, you know, if, if they can get their serves going and get that momentum, they still have a chance to win. Uh, and get on the medal of the podium. So uh, and they look they look sharp to me. And it's a matter of building, um, you know, your strengths and hopefully work on your weaknesses when you have a day off. What did you think about? And, and, and Jay, after this question, I know uh, Jay Hosick is with us too. He can, he can jump in. Um, what did you What did you think about Carrie and Misty's? Uh, debut. You know, Jay Roche had mentioned that they needed to clean some things up. He thought Misty was taping the ball a little bit. I, I, I thought that was a great match because that's a tough first-round draw. You know those two players, Ifanoi and mm-hmm. and, Taz, and Tazan and, and, and Cook. They're, they're, they've been there before. They have the experience. That is not an easy first-round draw, and I think that's a good thing for Terry Misty. Yeah, you know, it, it's experience. You know, they have Olympic experience, too. So, um, you know, I'm sure they can clean up their game for sure and put a little bit more pressure on the team and make some, uh, uh, you know, more side-outs, easier side-outs and stuff like that. But uh, that's not a team that just falls over. They're a very veteran team and know how to win and especially know how to win on the world stage in a very high-pressure, stress situation. So you still uh, think maybe it might be a little nerve for Misty and, and Kerry too because, you know, they are going for a three-peat and this is it. Yeah. Uh, so, 
that can be playing a role of, you know, they, they're also different. You know, Carrie has a family. Uh, Misty, again, she's coming off an injury. They're not as sharp as they once were, where they dominated the world for a long time. Uh, so they're going to have to um, use this as a, as a building block. You know, they did win two straight, so that's always good. Uh, it's a matter of, you know, getting... They also got to get a little luck, though, as far as they're pairing up. It would be nice for them to have their tougher matches when they get out of this pool play and then the elimination bracket. They get a few easier ones than to play someone like China who ended up getting upset. Uh, Eric, this is Jay. Uh, so I know you have a, a successful business on the side that you've been doing for a number of years. I think real estate is, is what it is. I've been getting your emails. Uh, but... Uh, I'm you want to sell your house? <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, uh, I'm I'm very happy here in Happy Valley. I don't I don't know if uh, if I want to leave just yet, but uh, I wonder if any uh, teams have commissioned you to train them uh, on the sand, and also with the uh, the creation of now women's sand in the NCAA ranks, have there been any teams that have or any schools that have contacted you in, in interest of having you come and be their head coach? Not yet, but I do have my name out there. I think what I my plan is uh, is to develop at least my goal would be to develop that Division One, you know, potential scholarship athlete, women athlete specifically. But I'm in the mix right now, and um, I like it. I think that would be uh, like heartfelt as far as putting everything I got into it and to have that success as far as, hey, I helped, you know, Jen get a scholarship to UCLA. I helped, you know, um, uh, Casey do that too. You know, it's more of that would really get my blood pumping. Uh, again, you know, not being on the competitive edge anymore, but that would be that would be intriguing. Is that how how fun would that be, e, to, to one day win a national championship as a coach in college women's sand volleyball? That'd be kind of cool. I think it'd be great, especially if I can continue with my passion to be the best. But you know, through someone else and kind of my tutelage, I mean, it'd be ideal to come up with a game plan and a, and a mission and goals as a uh, potential coach or, if nothing, a mentor. Eric, I want to talk yeah, a little bit. You have a lock offer. It's just a matter of yeah. got to ask. <laughs> Eric, I want to. I'm not going to quit my day job. Yeah. <laughs> I, want, <laughs> I want to reflect back to your run in 2000. Uh, Dane and I were traveling together this past NBA season and sitting next to each other on the plane. And he he's done a lot of um, public speaking now. He goes to schools and he's got this uh, side business going, and it's really cool. And I watched. The video that he had and going through the run you guys had recently, you know, it's been 12 years. I, I remembered so much of it. It had come back to me. I just some of those matches that you had that semifinal in that run you were on, you know, reflect back to that time, you know, no one really given you a chance going in. But you and Dane knew that this was a tournament you could win. Yeah, I think it started, though, in Belgium, and that run at the end where we knew we were neck and neck with Karch and AJ, Adam Johnson, and we knew what we had to do. So we had a pre-Olympic, and it was high stress because it couldn't have been two years of, you know, living out of a bag and living away from home and uh, all for naught, but it ended up going our way. 
when we got to the Olympics, we were very focused in on one thing, and that's one match. Uh, we didn't care who was the next one because we knew um, we knew to take care of that first. Uh, but we also enjoyed being in the Olympic Village, being a part of opening ceremonies, and then being part of the Olympic experience. Uh, and we are there engaged in all of it, uh, obviously very focused on, on our task at hand and very um, strategic on what we our game plan and try to execute the game plan. Uh, but it was one thing at a time and one point at a time. It wasn't anything more than that. Uh, but again, throughout our career, Dane and I together, if we were hot, meaning that we were starting mowing down teams, you should look out for us because we were very confident when we were in that situation. Um, even playing Emmanuel and Jose, we beat them quite a bit on the domestic tour, just internationally. We didn't have very much success against them. Yeah. What about that semifinal match? If you could take me through that and remind me a little bit. I think there was a bad call that didn't go your guys' way, and, and you were down in that game. And I believe Dane went back and ripped off some serves, but just a, 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 what that moment was like for you guys. Well, it was 10 all, and the Portugal strategy was to serve me every ball. and uh, It was hot in the stadium, and it took us about an hour to get to that 10 all moment, and I ended up uh, dinking one out of bounds, and then as, as we call a timeout because I was exhausted. I usually never take off my hat. I poured water on my head. I got rid of my hat, and uh, coming back on the court, I'm not one to stall, uh, but they called uh, a delay of game and gave me a red card for stalling. You know, I conditioned myself, so I wouldn't need to stall, uh, but they gave them a point. Hey, uh, Eric, Eric, who makes that call in a semifinal? I, mean, I don't know. There must have been something going on. I, the only thing I can think of, it was a long game, and they were like, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up, get these guys off this court. They didn't really care about the outcome, I don't feel. Maybe that was the only thing I could come up with, because there's no real reason to make that call. Uh, so, it, you know, we could have done one of two things. One is, you know, this is lame and pity party, but Dane and I took it upon ourselves, especially Dane said when we after we cited out. I think he got one ace, and then I ended up uh, getting a free ball or not a free ball, a dig, and then I ended up blocking one, and then it was like five points right away. So um, I think it was five serves, five points after an hour and something battle. So I, I think it ended up going in our favor. Again, that has to do with, you know, adversity and taking uh, a bad thing and turning it into some type of positive momentum for us. What was that gold medal match like? And when you guys got got to that point, um, I remember talking to you guys about it. it. It wasn't about just getting there. When you got there, it was, hey, let's go win this thing. You're playing the Brazilians, an unbelievable team, but you felt confident because you had a game plan against them. Yeah, and that game plan really is to keep it tight, keep it tight, and then hopefully uh, at the end make a play. And that's just the first game. So uh, we did keep it tight. It was 10-all and, and playing to, or 11-all playing to 12. And we're like, okay, we just need to steal this game. And uh, at that point, if we were going to steal that game, the Brazilians had everything to lose. You know, the, we didn't have anything to lose. So we were playing very, extremely loose. Um, and if we did get that game, then there would be a ton of pressure on Brazil. Like, holy smoke, how did we get this position? Uh, and sure enough, you know, so Marco hits it out, 11 or 12-11. We end up winning. We're super excited. 
and that's exactly where you don't want us to be. Um, and they have a ton of pressure, like, oh, gosh, now, you know, there, there's doubt. Uh, and then Dana and I's mind, is, there's no doubt. There's no doubt we're not going to beat this team. It's just a matter of when. Gotcha. Now, when you get to that gold medal point, there's that famous shot that I've seen a million times of, you know, you blocking the ball, and you guys just kind of running into each other's arms, and it's almost like Dane, I think he says, oh, my God, and you guys just fall back. I mean, what is – I'm sure he envisioned it, you know. He, uh, uh, you know, probably saw it in your mind a million times, but but when that actually happened, uh, you know, take us through that moment. Well, at that point, it seemed like Brazil was starting to settle down, and I was thinking, well, one of us has to do something, something uh, – a dig or a block or – uh, something needs to happen ace. And I was like, well, I'm going to do my part at the net and hopefully I get it. Uh, but if not, I'm going to put up a big solid block so Dane maybe could do his part or take uh, a big line and then all of a sudden maybe they'll hit it right at Dane and get a dig and we have a chance to win. Uh, so it was more of what am I going to do? So I tried to go up big and I swung block, which I'm not a swing blocker. And I got a big. And, uh, you know, stuff that's straight down. And from there, it was just more of like, I can't believe what just happened. And, <laughs> you know, it, it, it's something I didn't really think about, to be honest with you. I was just more of, I was trying to seize the opportunity. I think I've done that in my career where if I have a chance to win, you might want to look out for this one because I'm probably going to win. <laughs> uh, I was probably in my career at the beginning, like new partners. You know, I had a knack for taking a new partner and winning. That's not an easy thing to do. It's more like, you know, we got to work together. And I have a, I guess I had a, a knack of trying to get the most out of my partners at the beginning. And sometimes it, it, you know, it worked out great. Eric, uh, Jeremy Rouche here. I was watching the video that uh, Plan Zaya did about your guys. Uh, I think we did it for your 10-year anniversary of the gold medal a few years ago. It's about, right. a 20, about a twenty-minute video. I've sent it to some friends, and they have texted me back saying that they cried, literally cried, watching that video. You seem very emotional in that video, talking about it. Have you seen it, and do you still get emotional watching it now? I still get the chills, and you know, it chokes me up once in a while. Um, it, you know, it's it was a lot of lot on the line, a lot of sacrifice, uh, a lot of time away from home, a lot of you know a lot of time away from family and friends. Um, and that's kind of what I sacrifice. I sacrifice family and friends. Uh, I guess people don't really realize that you got to sacrifice something. And um, it was a mission. It was a mission that Dane and I had. And uh, I'm glad it all worked out. Sometimes it doesn't. It's a great story. Uh, and it's also a good motivating piece for life. I mean, life is about how to motivate yourself. And sometimes it's how do others motivate you to do great things, and hopefully I'm a piece of that. But at the same time, there are people who motivate me now, uh, and I need them. Because <laughs> otherwise, you know, I just kind of go through the motion sometimes. I need uh, pieces like Dane and I and uh, whoever the next Olympic um, gold medalist is. Maybe I'll watch them, and they'll motivate me to do better things as a person. Spadal, this is Jay again. Speaking of great things, uh, your organization, Dig for Kids, is uh, obviously still going strong. And I wonder if you could talk a little bit about uh, what's next for that uh, and, and what's continuing to keep it going and, 
and who are some of the great people that you're involved with that are helping that uh, along the way? Well, I mean, Dig for Kids is an after-school program. Basically, we go to the inner city. We're like a boys and girls club. Uh, it's three hours long. We do our homework first, and then we go out and play. It's kind of the same uh, mentality that I grew up with, that, um, you know, you can't play outside until you get your chores and homework done first, and then you get to go out and have fun with your friends. Uh, but we've had great sponsors from uh, LA84 to Paul Mitchell to Wilson to Oakley. Uh, without their help, you know, this is not successful. Uh, and where we're headed now, I'm the lonesome dumb. I, I do everything on my own now. I don't have any employees anymore. Uh, I'm more volunteer-based. Uh, but where I see it going is I want volleyball, you know, to have somewhere we can have events, and Dig for Kids can be a part of it. I'd like to potentially help other kids who don't have the same opportunities as I did to bring them down to the beach. Uh, and we just had our day at the beach um, a couple weeks ago. Uh, it's just a matter of getting those kids that opportunity to enjoy a piece of what I enjoyed in my life, and that's just going down the beach and hanging out with my friends and enjoying what the beach has to offer between beach games and going on the water and playing beach volleyball, that would be ideal. Uh, but Big for Kids will continue on, and hopefully there's these new organizations or old organizations come back and use it as a tool to help other kids. You want to learn volleyball or if nothing else, help other kids um, achieve, you know, really great things. Obviously, you were part of the men's game in college. Do you uh, do you still follow the indoor game, and, and do you miss it at all? Are you still involved in any other way, or, or what's going on with that? No, I'm I'm not involved in the indoor game. I watch occasionally, and I'm kind of in the loop somewhat, but not much. Um, indoor game, you know, for me personally, it's painful. I can't really jump on the indoor. It hurts my knees, hurts my body. It's not really worth kind of stepping into that gym. Uh, but I do watch, you know, obviously Olympics when it's around and hear things, but I'm not too involved with it. I can coach, obviously, indoor, uh, but I would I would like that opportunity on the beach more. Ifanoi, thank you so much, my friend, uh, for taking the time. Uh, I know it's a special time for you, and I uh, hope you enjoy uh, the rest of the Olympics, and we'd love to get you on uh, maybe before the gold medal match, and uh, you can break it down for us. All right, partner? Yeah, sounds good. Let me know. All righty. Thanks, brother. All right. See you guys. That was Eric from Moana. Great job. Always fun to, to relive uh, that moment where he and Dane Blanton won that gold medal in Sydney, Australia, in the 2000 Olympic Games. Uh, that video that you're talking about, Jay Rochet, say it one more time before we go to break. Uh, really phenomenal. I think it's called the, the Golden Road. I posted it on our Facebook page. It was done by our friends from Planet Zaya. It is an unbelievable video um talks about the whole story it was done a couple of years ago for the 10 year anniversary of that gold medal and i was at that party and when they played it on the monitors at waterman's nobody was saying a word they watched every single minute of that it's unbelievable yeah never forget yeah my favorite part about that is when fanoi gets the stuff block at the end turns around dane is just in shock yeah he just and fanoi just paper, absolutely yeah. rubbed him over yeah, like he's like a quarterback yeah, that's awesome. great that's great <laughs> be right back guys You don't have to find the best college coaches. They find you at Spire Institute. Spire's Postgraduate Volleyball Academy wants athletes. 
Fire delivers customized volleyball training and competition led by head coach John Hawks, athletic development with Michael Johnson performance, and educational options all in Olympic-grade facilities. There is no better way to impress college coaches and increase scholarship opportunities. Spire Institute, postgraduate men's and women's programs in multiple sports. It's not taking a year off, it's adding a year to your future. Sign up today at spireinstitute.org. Uh, <laughs> I did get to uh, seeing Hermosa. I was away uh, in Tahoe, but 
looked and uh, heard like a big success from what everyone was telling me. So uh, I hope you enjoyed your first uh, time out there. Yeah, it was it was fantastic. Um, you know, just just the crowd at Hermosa was uh, was incredible. Um, you know, it makes it makes our job and my job a lot easier because the, their volleyball knowledge there, beach volleyball especially, is just absolutely incredible. Um, they were into every match. Uh, you know, it's one of the things I love about walking around that venue. You just hear the conversation, and they're talking about the players and who's playing who next. And uh, it was just uh, it was just an incredible tournament. I thought Jose Cuero did an awesome job, no doubt. Now, Matt, you're calling in to talk about a volleyball fundraiser you have going on on the East Coast. Uh, tell us a little bit more about that. Sure. Uh, we, you know, we bunch of us, you know, play pretty much every week, and uh, you know, we've been, it's it's amazing. I still have the, one of the things about beach volleyball. It's great is you just you kind of form these lasting friendships forever, you know. And I've been playing volleyball with the same guys for for Jesus seems like the last probably 20 years. And, uh, um, you know, we decided a few years ago that we'd start the King of the Castle tournament or just the King of the Beach tournament with a bunch of us and a couple guys that come down and play the weekends or whatever and uh, try to try to, try to to do a tournament to raise money for a cause. And last year we did uh, the Disabled Veterans and, um, you know, raised about 500 bucks for them, which was okay. But um, I kind of took over the organization of the tournament this year and, um, you know, we're, we're doing uh, raising money for something called Surfer's Healing. And uh, have you any of you guys ever been to Surfer Ceiling out there in California? No, tell us about it. Tell us about it. Okay, uh, Surfer Ceiling is a, is a um, foundation for autism. It was created by a gentleman out in Hawaii uh, named Izzy Paskowitz, and his son has autism. He figured he kind of found out that uh, you know when he got his son in the water, uh, whether it be on a boogie board or a surfboard, that it had a profound effect on him, a calming effect on him. So he started these camps a number of years ago, and uh, you know kind of grew. Uh, he had a, a bunch of camps in Hawaii that went to California and then sort of came to the East Coast in the last, I don't know, six or seven years. And uh, uh, I was asked to volunteer last year to kind of play some music and announce some heats and, and do that stuff. And, and it was, uh, you know, I, I know that, uh, you know, you got two little girls and, you know, obviously I have three. And, and for me, it was probably one of the most incredible experiences uh, I've ever seen. You know, um, I, I just reminded of a story last year, a grandfather came up to me and, uh, you know, when they take these kids out, some of them are just kicking and screaming, and it takes like five or six volunteers to just get them out in the water. And as soon as they put them on the board, it's like a switch. And, uh, you know, this grandfather came up to me, and he said, you know, I, I, you know, he said, I've never really seen anything quite like this. You know, thanks for doing it. I'm like, well, you know, I'm just kind of volunteer DJ. And, you know, this guy talked to him, and he, and he said, you know, I've, I volunteer for a lot of different things. I've done stuff for hospice, for Special Olympics. Uh, but this is just really, really amazing. And it kind of threw me for a loop, and I said, well, why is that? And he said, well, you know, my grandson's the one out there kicking and screaming and, and kind of screaming bloody murder, and they get him on the board, and he's paddling around, and they ride him in, and he jumps off the board. He's like, again, 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 you know, take me out again. And uh, and I said, well, that's really special. And the guy says, no, you know, he's five, and that's the first time I've ever heard him speak. So it's pretty wow. amazing what that, what that, what that, what it does. And, uh, you know, I guess the ocean's powerful, you know. <laughs> Yeah, and, no, there's no uh, question about it. You know, there's no question about it, Romo. There's a, a foundation here called the Jimmy Miller Foundation. Jimmy Miller's a former lifeguard at uh, Manhattan Beach, and uh, his family started this a few years ago when he passed. And it's 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 getting veterans uh, back in the water when they come and teaching them how to surf. The, the ocean is therapy, and it's called ocean therapy. So it goes a lot in line with with what you're saying. I mean, it, it can do wonders for kids, and uh, it, it's it's absolutely for 
uh, for a great purpose and a great foundation. So how can people find out about it? How can they help out? How can they donate money? Uh, money? Sure. The, be- the best way to do it is we, we started our own Facebook page. It's facebook.com forward slash King of the Castle Volleyball. Um, and you can go on there. You can do- If you have a PayPal account, you can donate right from there. If not, there's an address that you could send a check to. Um, the tournament is actually on the 11th of August. If for anybody who's uh, you know in the Ocean City area that's listening now, and um, you know come down and hang out with us. So we've got sponsors out the wazoo and tons of free stuff to give away from Under Armour, Billabong, Fox. I mean, you name it. We've probably got about 300 articles of clothing that we're giving away, um, all donated by by a lot of local places, and um, so it should be pretty cool. And then uh, the actual event for server sailing is on Thursday, August 16th. And uh, you know, I encourage anybody to come out and, and and you know hang out and support that. But all of our proceeds, everything goes go right to Surfer Ceiling. I think right now we're about probably about thirteen hundred dollars raised for Surfer Ceiling, nice. so we're way well above our goal, and we're trying to push towards two grand. Would be great. Yeah, Jeremy also put it in the chat room. We'll put it on Facebook, and uh, I I think that's really cool. Is there a goal that you guys have uh, that you think you can get to? Yeah, I mean, well, honestly, originally we wanted to get to about a thousand bucks because we weren't really sure. You know what to expect, um, but you know it's just a testament to the power of Facebook. I can't believe yeah. uh, <laughs> the amount of uh, of interest and and you know checks keep rolling in left and right. So uh, you know I think w- there, if if we push, especially that day of, we should hit over two thousand dollars. Would be great. That's great, man. I think it's yeah. awesome, and uh, we appreciate you coming on and, and doing that. And well, uh, give us a date one more time: August eleventh. August 11th is the tournament. It's at Castle of Sand Hotel in Ocean City, Maryland. And then uh, the actual surface ceiling is on the following Thursday. It's on the uh, 16th. Um, and, again, it's at the same place. So. Right. Well, good, Roma, man. We appreciate you coming on and, uh, and always listening and, and, and doing what you do. And you're doing a great job out there. And, uh, you know, we appreciate that. So hopefully we can help raise some awareness and raise some money. Uh, it's for a great cause. So we appreciate you putting in that time. Sure, man. Thanks for having me on, guys. I really do appreciate it. See you in a few weeks, man. All right, buddy. Take care. Matt Romanowski, Romo, Ocean City, Maryland. I'll tell you what. I've got a I've got a friend uh, who I think has a, a nephew that went into that program, and the he's right about the switch. Yeah, the, the family said that you know the, the kid was kind of uh, in his own little world, and when he was in the water, it literally was like somebody had flipped a switch, and his life just kind of lighted up, and it is. It's an amazing organization, and it doesn't get enough press because it really does need things. And, and being a lifelong surfer, the, the Passwood family, Passwood's family is very well known, and they've done some really great things. So good for Romo and good for that organization. I hope they keep doing it well. Yeah, it's very cool, and hopefully, uh, you, you know, as you said, <clears throat> you know, any any money will help. You know, it doesn't have to be a hundred dollar donation. You know, you got five bucks, you got ten bucks, uh, throw it out there. It helps. Some is better than none, as Absolutely. always. Yeah. Roche, Jay, great job today. We had a lot of fun. We're going to wrap it up. Uh, as we always say, God, it's a great show. Always. We've had ourselves back. Eric Fanoi Moana, thank you for coming on. Uh, the gold medalist. Uh, listen, everyone's involved in the Olympics. Everyone loves it. Um, we appreciate you guys listening. Watch, Jeremy. We are having a show next Monday. I will be calling from the road. Oh, you you will be able to call? Yeah, I'll be able to call in. I'll be in Oakland. I'll be in uh, San Francisco for the end. Okay. Whitney Pavlik will be on the show next uh-huh. week. And uh, that's nice. Thanks. All right. Follow us on Facebook, uh, facebook.com backslash net live at the net live. Twitter, I'm at Geeter3. You are? DJ Ruche. R-O-U-E-C-H-E. Yeah. By the way, women one and four, they beat Brazil in the fourth game. So yeah. uh, nice. good for them. Awesome. Nice. Awesome. Thanks, guys. I appreciate being here as always. Great job, Jay. We'll be listening to you next week because you're going to come on again. Yes, I am. <laughs> All Looking right, forward buddy. to it. Right. Thanks, guys. Later,